0: We did Wednesday night in Luke one thirty two, It says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that's made everything possible. Every part of our life that's good, He did it. And every part of our life that's not good, we're going through it with Him and because of Him. And we said, uh, Wednesday, nothing is too great for us to expect since we have such a great Savior. He's just on it. That's the definition of Savior is I'll get you through we don't need somebody that'll stand beside us and cry with us. We got that everywhere. We need someone that says, hey, we got this. The word's true. So I wrote down, what if you were funded? What if you were healed? What, are, what if you were free from social responsibility? In our day, that's, that covers a lot. What if you were funded, healed, and free from social responsibility? If it would be different because you were healed, because you were funded, because you were free. We should change it. We should be having no encumbrances on our life that says, when this, I'll be that. I'll have that. I'll do that. There's no when. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Greater is He in pain and dearth than he that is in the world that's feeling good and got plenty. Greater is he. Amen. So our circumstances have nothing to do with the victory. Jesus gave us the victory, and he didn't make any conditions on it. He said, I've given you absolute victory. So we throw off those things. We're not waiting for us to be uh, supplied. We're not waiting for ourselves to be healed. We already are. We're full and overflowing. So we're not waiting. So if something's waiting in your life, get rid of it because it's wrong. It's hindering. It's limiting. It'll never it'll never leave. If you're waiting on anything to change so you can have the victory, you will never have the victory because the change has already happened. Jesus said it's my it's finished and it is. Amen. So whatever little thing we're all facing and we go from challenge to challenge, challenge, we go from faith to faith because we go from challenge to challenge. Did you get that? We go from faith to faith, grace to grace, because we go from challenge to challenge. There's always a new one waiting. Every time you whip one devil or whip one situation or finally forgive somebody, there's somebody else that lines up. Hallelujah. But we don't care. We don't care. If you would turn in your Bible with me to the book of Genesis this morning, I want to share some things that I shared in 1999. I went back and looked at my notes there and said, we hadn't talked about that in a long time. So let's, and besides, I'm smarter now than I was then. I'm saying it anyway, no matter what they say. Chapter 27 of Genesis. I want to talk about the law of the right of first refusal. Does anybody remember us talking about that besides Barry? Very goes way back, y'all. Genesis 27, verse 32. The law of the right of first refusal. 27. Here it is, 32. Let's read a story in the Old Testament. And Isaac, his father... So here we're talking about Isaac blessing his two sons. What was his son's name? It was Esau and Jacob. Esau was the older... What does the older get in the Old Testament? Everything. At least two-thirds. And then he takes over his father's estate, moves into his house, takes care of his parents, and uh, the other sons go out into the workplace uh, with some provision. Uh, we know that in the prodigal son story uh, as well. So, so uh, Isaac's in the mood to bless, and, and in verse uh, 32 he said, And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that had taken venison and brought it to me? And I've eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. So we can go up in that chapter and we can see where Jacob, he put a a hairy fur on his arms and I guess he washed in the, in the woods and got sent on him like Esau would. He was very fair. He was a houseman, man. And uh, he snuck into his father's place and said, I'm ready to be blessed. And Esau thought it excuse me, Isaac thought it was Esau. And he blessed him. So Jacob stole the blessing. In verse, uh, verse 34, And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with sub- subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. Apparently there's no jerky backs in this thing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, thou- Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine I have sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? It's kind of tragic. But it happened back when Esau abdicated and said that he would give up to Jacob for a bowl of porridge or pottage or stew or whatever that was that Isaac loved. And he sold, he sold out. Because of his flesh, he sold out. And so now it's played out because he sold out. He gave up his rights. Then this is the uh, consummation or the document that that tells of that. Um, So we see here divine order was breached. I'm going somewhere with this, but divine order was breached. Do you all agree with that? The firstborn was supposed to get it. That was divine order. But Esau abdicated or came down from the divine order and another took it. Turn with me, if you would, to the New Testament to Titus. You can have a chocolate bar if you get there first. Titus. Titus. It's before Philemon, but that won't help. Second Timothy, Titus. Let's look in chapter 1 of Titus, verse 5. So Paul is uh, addressing this letter to his son in the faith, and he says, I've got to go. I've got to, I've got to get on the road. And he tells Titus, verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete. Why did he leave him in Crete? That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And then he goes into the order of the uh, elders. He said, If any be blameless... "...the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless." So he switches gears here from elder to bishop. "...as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre." Verse 8 says, "...but a lover of hospitality." Isn't that interesting that a bishop is a lover of hospitality? (laughs) Well, I, I was quicken right there when I was going over this to say I need to giddy up, that I can't just close myself off and I can't just say no just because I'm more comfortable not having people around. i got to be a lover, not just a tolerator, a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as it hath been taught, that, that this bishop, that he may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And then he goes into all the deceivers that might come. The Amplified says that you might set right what was defective and finish what was left undone. So there's a divine order here. Paul said, Titus, I need you to keep things in order because obviously the opposite of divine order is chaos or disorder. How many of y'all know there's a lot of, Churches, a lot of families, a lot of men and women that are out of order. Matter of fact, you could say with some sobriety that we get out of order. If you've got, if, if, you, if you're on earth and you've got flesh, it's not hard to get out of order and not seek first the kingdom or not to put things in practice. We all have been out of order. And either circumstances will ...bring us back, or the word, the truth of the word, where we say, i got to get back in order. It hurts too much to be in chaos. Now, the world's in chaos, and they don't even know they're hurting. They don't even know it's bad, because that's just their life. But we've been, we've been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so we like order. We like order. So, um, the Young's literal translation says that the things lacking, thou mayest arrange... So the Lord likes things arranged. He likes things in order. In one place it says, uh, let everything be done in decency and order. So he, he doesn't like that just you get it done. He likes the way that it's done because we are a witness. We are a testimony. This is the way the kingdom operates. We're reflecting the kingdom who is in divine order. He never fails. He never fails to keep his word. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1.20, he says, For the promises of God in him are yea, and, un- and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So he likes order. We all like order. Every once in a while, you get on a scourge and clean your, straighten up your house and get rid of old newspapers and old shoes and old everything. And yeah, it's, there's some pain in it because it's like, I might need this. I finally had to come to the place where I just said, if I ever do, I'll go buy a new one because there's no lack or shortage or need in my life. If I ever need one, I'll just go get me a brand new one. That's going to the trash or Goodwill or wherever it goes. It's hard to clean out. It's hard to bring order to your life. It's hard to straighten up because we like disorder. There's a certain amount of, of pleasure in not getting up and cleaning off the dishes, just waiting until in the morning or whatever people do not cleaning out their car, just letting her run until somebody they like gets in it and they go, oh, I'm, uh, let me tell you what's really going on here. And it's just, it's just we all know what's going on there. It's a disorder. It's just chaos. And uh, it tells, it reflects about our life. Brother Hagin used to say that your front yard, how you keep your front yard is your reputation. But your backyard, how you keep it is your character. Everybody's shining on the front, but what you do in the back is who you really are. And I think there's some truth to that. Um, you know that order in America, in our nation, is dictated by the U.S. Constitution. And that's why it's always under siege, is because the devil doesn't like order. He's out of order. And so we have a U.S. Constitution. We have state constitution. Every preamble of all 50 states give glory to God. that We're, we're organizing this state for the glory of God. Um, and then so we have three branches in our kind of order. We have the legislature that uh, makes laws. We have the executive branch that enforces law. And then we have the judicial branch that, let's see, what I, that mediate it. But you, they judge it. So it keeps it in order. If it goes to the Supreme Court, they decide what the order is. Well, you and I, we have this for our divine order. And if we love it, if we love the word, it means that we love order. Only the rebel, the rebellious, don't like order because it's anarchy in their lives and they like that chaos to do whatever they want to do and no consequences for how that'll turn. They're willing to pay any price down the road to have their way, to, to steal it, to snort it, to, to whatever people do that's out of divine order. So... The Bible is your constitution, and the Holy Spirit is the judge. He mediates, because you can make the word say anything, can't you? Yeah. Uh, Judas went out and hung himself, and then another verse says, go and do likewise. So we, we could string some scriptures together that, uh, that are terrible, but it, we'd have, we don't have order there. So I was meditating on the ultimate disorder in the kingdom. And that would be Lucifer, wouldn't it? One thing about Lucifer that we sometimes forget is that Lucifer did not have the right to choose. He did not have the right to choose. It was not in his jurisdiction to choose. Now, man has the choice. But uh, look with me, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 14. We're going somewhere with this. We're going to the law of the right of first refusal. So uh, that would be in Isaiah 14. Praise God. Why do we teach stuff like this? Well, it's to bring an a, 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 a appreciation for order. We see the consequences of disorder, and then we see the, the reward of order. Uh, the, the Bible is the constitution for all of us, but the Bible is the system of God. It's the architect, or the blueprint, excuse me, of order. The architect of order, the Lord God, he's never out of order. He's not emotional in the sense that he has a fit or gets tired of men and, and just gets cranky and they, he's had enough. And so he's going to do something disorderly, which would be against his, against his constitution, against the word. He never does that. So he's very orderly in that he stays the same. Consistency is the, is the goal for all of us. It's always that we get dinged for what we do that's inconsistent. I mean, we're so good for 11 months and then we have a two week blowout and they want to lock you up for the two weeks instead of the 11 months. Is that right? Sure it is. Uh, So Lucifer not only did not have the right to choose, he did not have the right to influence anyone else to choose. But we do. We have the right to choose and the right to influence. In chapter 14, in verse 12, how, how clear this is. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Wow. It's pretty strong. Verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So there's the end. That's divine order for chaos, for rebellion, for disobedience, for taking what's out of your jurisdiction. So there's things that we can't do, and there's things angels can't do. Angels can't preach the gospel, for instance. But we should. We can and we should. But they help us in other areas, but they don't get out of their jurisdiction. So we're not asking angels to preach the gospel for us. It's like, what do y'all got to do around here? Why don't you go preach the gospel and I'll go mow the grass. (laughs) So no choices for angels, but man can choose. I'd like, while you're there, turn to Deuteronomy. We looked at this the other day, chapter 30. Let's look at it again. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And point out the difference for us to have the, have the law of the right or first refusal. See it how it works from God's side. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what you think is fair, right? It only matters what God says about it. Y'all would say amen right there and say, that's right, yeah. Chapter 30, look in verse 19. And so the Lord says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Well, he didn't say that to any angels, did he? I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, therefore, since I set it before you, therefore, it's up to you, choose life that, that both thou and thy seed may live. Choose life, choose life, choose. So it's a choice. We are different than the angels, certainly different than demons in that uh, the demons are absolutely out of line because they're still rebelling. They're still, but they can't go back. They're marked, and that's the sometimes that's the finality of sin. It's, it. You can be forgiven, but it doesn't change your situation. You can kill somebody and God will forgive you, but you may be doing twenty to thirty. Amen. He forgives you, but whatever they say about you, you're going to and you can protest and you can call on God and you can pray. And and like we said this morning, you can be like Paul and Silas. You can ask God to shake you out of jail and and uh, get you released. But you're there. Hallelujah. So uh, Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one. Here's another place of choosing in the New Testament, just to make sure that we're not. Drawing something that didn't go over to the New Covenant, chapter 1 of Philippians, look in verse 21. He said, uh, verse 21, Paul said, For for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall, I choose, I wot not. For I am a strait betwixt two, having desired to part, and to be with Christ, which is far better." Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he's choosing there, isn't he? Uh, I have uh, in the New Living it says, "For to me, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better." you we need to get a handle on that. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm choosing. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. So we all have a choice. Every day we have a choice. We have a choice to to take a chance that it won't be what we think it is. The kingdom of God, the system of God, is seed, time, and harvest. Would you say that with me? Seed, time, and harvest. That is the system of God. So when you sow things unless you repent of it and and remove it out of your life, the consequences are on their way. Seed sown brings seed harvest. And there's no way to avert it. Like I said, unless you repent, I repent and say, I'm sorry, I ask you to remove that out of my life. Then we can dig up the seed with our words. But otherwise, when you do bad things, bad things are coming in multiples. And on the converse, when we do right things then right things are coming. What you gave in the offering this morning is changing our future. It, ca- it can't be different than that. It's not different than that. No matter how inconsequential you may think and whatever caused you to make the choices of what you gave, if you gave, the truth is it affects your future. God is not unfair. And so when we have a, ch- uh, a choice to make, a choosing whether to give or not or whatever, go to church or not, be nice or not, we're choosing the consequences in multiples. And it won't be different than that. So the kingdom or the system of God is seed, time, and harvest. And we don't talk about that enough probably in the kingdom. But above all this, all that said, all that to say this, that the, the, the divine order has a law. There's a law about divine order. It's not just stay in order or else. The divine order is that the law of the right of first refusal, the law of the right of first refusal. It's operating in all of our lives right now. It's not vocal. It's not like he comes down and says, I'm giving you a chance. What do you want to do? It's in the word. So he's already doing that. He he considers everything in the word to be as if he spoke it to us, as if he actually came through the wall and says, I'm Jesus and I'm. If you'll give, it'll do this for you. And if you don't give, it won't do this for you. It's not like that. It's in the word and it's just as consequential without the personal uh, words that he would speak. So uh, for for instance, if you make an offer on a house, the house is 200,000, you make an offer and you say, I'll give you 199 and I want the right of first refusal. So if they agree to that, then they've locked in 199 unless someone comes by with a better offer in a certain predetermined time so someone comes by and says i'll give you 205,000 well they can't sell it to them to those people with 205 without coming back to you and giving you the right of first refusal so you have an opportunity to meet their bid their offer or to exceed it And they can't sell it without first asking you. So that's kind of an unusual thing, but it happens all the time. Uh, Job openings in corporate places, not so much in mom and pop stuff, but corporate jobs are often posted. They're posted on a bulletin board or some memo or something. And anybody can apply for those new offerings. But everybody knows that whoever has the right of first refusal has to give it up before they can be considered. So if the, if the number one guy, the, the head guy that's, got, that's been there the longest, he has the most seniority, or however they work it, if he says, I don't want that, I like where I am, then everybody then can have a shot at that position. But if he says, I'll take it, nobody can complain, because that's the rule. He, he has the right of first refusal. Amen? That makes sense, doesn't it? So... Uh, Esau had the right of first refusal, but he turned it down. He didn't do what it took to maintain his right. Therefore, the usurper, the deceiver, that's what uh, the word Jacob means, uh, he came in and he swindled him out of it, and it was legally binding. It's like a contract that you sign. You didn't read the small print, and it said, I'll, I'll give you my firstborn, and, or whatever. <laughs> and it's uh, It's binding. Uh, Then Titus was given the first chance of the right of first refusal. Paul says, I want you to set in order the church. And Titus apparently said yes. Paul delineated everything that that was involving and said, I'll do it. And so it was done. But he had the right of first refusal. So we were going to have somebody else do it. If if Titus said, I don't want to do that, then he would give up his right. So how does that apply to you and me? Turn with me to Matthew, if you would, chapter 6. This is kind of unusual, but that's, this is kind of how I like to do the kingdom, is to, is to explain the mechanics. How does this work? Most people that get healed don't know what happened. They just know the boo-boo went away and everything's fine, but they couldn't duplicate it. They couldn't say, if I ever get that or something like that. I'll go back and do this, and I know that'll happen. They don't know what happened. And Brother Hagen used to talk about it. He said, well, some guy had his red socks on that day, got healed. So every time he wanted to get healed, he'd put those red socks on. And you know, you go, that's crazy. Well, he didn't know how come he got healed. He didn't know the mechanics. didn't know the system. And uh, we need to know the system because we're first in line. I'm first in line. Are you first in line? I'm first in line. I am the one with seniority. When he offers that thing out of the word and says you can be rich or you can be healed or you can be delivered or you can be the head and not the tail, he's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. We're all his favorites. Hallelujah. We're all first in line. And there's enough for everybody. The world is full of shortage and lack and need. Not enough. So everybody has to compete for it. That old saying that says, if you can... Get all you can, sit on the and uh, can all you get and sit on the can. I kind of butchered that, but you get the deal. That's the world's perspective. The early bird gets the worm. Uh, it's competition because there's not enough to go around. Everybody has to throw down to get what part of it you can. You you get a bunch of dogs uh, together and you throw a piece of meat in there and you'll see what competition is. They're all after it. Well, we're not that way. I'm not that way. We're not that way. But it has to be trained in us. It has to be meditated in us. It has to be uh, uh, drove in because we are naturally competitive. So do you and I have to compete for promotion? Do we have to compete for a position or is it mine to decline? Is every position that I want or I'm called to, is it mine? It's mine. It's, it's mine. It is mine unless I decline. I can walk away from it. I cannot uh, uh, con- meet the conditions of it. I can ignore it. I cannot hear about it. I can refuse to read it in the Word. And I can decline like Esau did. He just didn't take care of business. He got real hungry one day and it cost him everything. And the word said he cried great tears. He, he, he was in sorrow and anguish because he didn't take care of business. Sin always does that, doesn't it? We're all sorry after we do it, after we fail or after we do it. We, we have great sorrow. And if there's no sorrow, there's no, there's no uh, repentance. Repentance requires godly sorrow. If You're just sorry you got caught, just sorry it didn't work out, and there's no sorrow, then it's coming back. True repentance has godly sorrow. So in Matthew chapter six, let's look at this in the New Testament. In verse 19, it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Let's read it all. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he's not talking about money. He's talking about where you put your heart. And if you, put your, if you put your attention and your focus on money, he said you can't keep your heart from going there. In another place, the Lord Jesus said uh, it's very hard for rich men, men that are rich and get saved, get Godward. It's very rich for them to go to, to prosper in the kingdom. He said it's harder for them than for a rope to go through a needle. He says camel, but it's translated rope. It just can't be done. He said now if you get Jesus first, then get rich, you give him all the glory. That's divine order. But it's hard, and we've all seen examples of people that got religion, so to speak, with their money, and they wanted to manipulate how it was spent, and they come to the preacher and say it's going to be this way or that way because they're in control. But if you got your wealth by just being faithful, <laughs> you, you never were in control. He was in control, and he can use us. And that's really the greatest, uh, one of the greatest things about you and us, uh, you and me, is we have great potential. We've given our heart. Our heart is in Jesus, so the wealth is not where our heart's going to go, because it's already in Jesus. It's already in the kingdom. And so we, we've changed our priorities. So uh, look in verse 24. Please, let's go on. Uh, Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. Say that with me. No man can serve two masters. Now let's point to ourselves and say, I cannot serve two masters. Now that's what the Lord Jesus said. That's the red, the red ink. You cannot You cannot, it is impossible for us to serve two masters. Get that in. It's key. You cannot serve two masters. Then he went on, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon there is riches, but the word really means security. You cannot serve God and security, which would indicate money that's piled up and you know, a fortress and all the things that people do with money for security. He said, you can't do it. It'll never work out. It will never work out. It will never work out. Well, if you believe that, what if we believe that? What if we said that's true? What if that were true? That I cannot have uh, uh, my heart with the Lord Jesus, where my treasure is, there's my heart, and have it in security. I can't give him Sundays and Wednesdays, but on Tuesday morning, bless God, I'm, I'm I'm back at it. I'm trying to get all I can, can all I get and sit on the can. We're all torn there. We're all pulled there. And as we grow in the Lord and get our heart more in Jesus, then that thing loses its allure. Therefore, I say unto you. So the solution here, the solution to having two masters, because you can't. He said, therefore, I said, you take no thought for your life. Well, I thought you'd say, Lord, you'd say to make you master, we'd sing more praise songs or we would uh, we would we would do this and we would do that. We would cross every mountain. And he said, no, if you want to make one master, the Lord Jesus, your master, he said, take no thought for your life. Oh, that's that's security. Taking thought for my life. What does that mean? It's always the same what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink. And yet for your body, what ye shall put on is the life more than meat and the body than raiment. So he just breaks it down where I can do it. It's not like it's a complicated formula and you need to go back to Revelation and get the mark of the beast thing studied so you can unlock the key or whatever. It's not. He said, the way you know where your heart is, is how you take thought. Where are your thoughts? What? I'm a tither. I'm a tither. I'm a covenant man. I have been for many, many years. And I take no thought. Generally speaking, I take no thought about that because I'm a tither. I I take issue. I have ought to people just what they're saying. People that are afraid. They say they're tithers, but they're afraid. They're afraid. And It's like, what does your tithe do? Isn't that the surety on our side to say Jesus is Lord. I, I'm, I'm moving money away from me to him, not because he needs money, not because I need less, but to demonstrate that my heart is with him, that I'm not serving two masters. And people that can't tithe are serving two masters. Actually, they're serving one, but they're tipping the other. They're, they're acknowledging the other. And we've all been there. We're not, we're not whamming anybody. We've all been there. And occasionally the devil brings that by and we consider it. Hmm, uh, this week, not this week, Lord. You know, I paid my car and house insurance last week. Whew. You all know about that. So there's just, you know, temptation like that comes along. And then he, he goes on to it. He said, verse 26, Behold the fowls, the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And let's see, let's go on to 27. Which of you, still talking about you cannot serve two masters, which of you, he's making a case like he's mocking the case of making security your God. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wow, the Lord Jesus is making a case. It's not, not like Paul that said, well, I, I, not what the Spirit says, but I'm saying this and I think I have the Lord on it. This is the Lord Jesus. The, the, this, is, this is the mandate of the kingdom. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, in other words, it's nothing... Yet the Lord gives attention to it. O ye, how, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Now here it is, verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying. Let's point to ourselves and say it. Therefore take no thought, saying. So we're, we can't keep thoughts from coming. But we can guard our mouth. Because this is the creative part of the whole kingdom. Everything go- is created by words. Uh, the word says in Job, the thing that he feared most came upon him. Well, how did come it came on him? Because he told all about it. He feared it and he began, to, he began to yak and talk about, well, maybe it's this. And his friends came by and said, yeah, you're bad. He said, well, so take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? So he's saying here, life, take no thought about life. So we're talking about the law of the right of first refusal. What is already mine, but it doesn't come into my life because I don't take the right. I let it go by. And when I let it go by, it goes somewhere else. For after all these things, verse 32, do the Gentiles seek after all these things. They're seeking. And he said, you don't have to seek them. You don't have to seek them. The birds, the flowers, everything. If the proof is, if I take care of them, how much more will I take care of you? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the system, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, verse 24, let's go back up there. No man can serve two masters. It's the qualifier. It's the linchpin. It's everything is on one side or the other. Can we... This is the qualifier for the law of, right, of the first right of refusal. Can you serve one master? The Lord's saying, "Can you serve me, and not put your mind, your anxiety, your words, your plans on that?" I, I talk to people all the time, and I'm not making fun of this. Well, maybe I am, but uh... you know that that believe that don't believe the Lord's coming back soon. They're making long-term plans, and there's nothing wrong with plans. We ought to plan our way. But long-term plans just says we're not expecting him. And it's changing their present life with investments or with whatever to not seek first the kingdom because, you know, we've got to be here a long time and we got to store up and put up and everything like that. Well, there's a balance there. And the balance is, is we're asking God, what do you want me to do with my mammon, my security? You know, do you not want me to put a fence around the house? Do you want me to leave my door unlocked? In West Texas, we never locked our houses. Never. Keys. I came home from the farm and left my keys in the pickup and went to supper and went to bed. I mean, that's bizarre. But nobody ever said that cost them. Nobody. But you don't do that now. My little phone blows up. The ring blows up and says, somebody in the neighborhood checking doors and locks and stuff like that. That's all. Do y'all get that? Well, Maybe I'm in a rough neighborhood. Hallelujah. (laughs) So the qualifier right here, the the whole thing goes back to 24 is uh, no man can serve two masters. Ye cannot serve God and security or riches, which buys security. So if you say, yes, I can serve one master, then then it's yours. You are you are taking the right of first refusal. And you're saying, I want it. You're the, you're the number one guy that has the right of refusal in the corporate world that does not pass on the promotion, on the increase. He said, I'll take it. And everybody else just melts away. Is that right? Everybody else just goes to their office and sits down because he took it. And there's not a thing they can do about it except to say, maybe I'm next. Maybe somebody has the next right or first refusal. Well, this is the kingdom. There's things that are ours, that are mine, that, that are yours, that are mine. They've been assigned to me. They've been sent to me. They, they are, got my name on them. They, it's, it's in the office with my picture on it saying, this was our corporate uh, uh, good guy. And I'm in there. But if I don't show up, if I don't take hold, then they'll take my picture down and put up somebody else's. So it's not going to slip by until I... Say it can. I like verse 27 about the futility of worry. Y'all, we need to quit worrying. Matter of fact, the only thing you need to wonder about your worrying is when you catch yourself, you know there's a leak in the submarine. You know that there's a a wheel fixing to come off the wagon. Uh, It's a sign when we worry, when we take thought saying, it tells you something's not right and something's coming because all of a sudden we're serving two gods. We're serving God and security when we worry and project a negative thing into our future. When the truth is, nobody can take my place. Nobody can take my position. Nobody can take my inheritance. No one can take away the promises of God. They're yes and in Him, amen. I don't have to, I don't have to pounce. I don't have to guard. I don't have to stay on the edge of my seat and, and grab it before it gets away because it'll never move until I let it pass. It's mine. Nobody can take it. Everybody knows if, if, if Johnny Bob does not take that job, they can have it. But if he says yes, it's over. And that's the way it is with you and me. The devil's going to try to take it from us. But until we say no through unbelief or through the double lordship or whatever. Let's, let's, let's just look at this one verse. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom or the system of God. And like we said, that is seed time and harvest. If you sow, you will reap. You will reap whatever you sow. It's, it's undeniable. It's non-negotiable. If you sow it, it is coming back. Good or bad. We could go to Genesis and we could see that. But see, the world thinks, they're, they're always thinking about, what, uh, about their life and their responsibility. Because their life is in their hands. Do y'all remember when your life was in your hands? And you may not can go back and think of it, but it was scary. Because there's just very little in this world that's comforting. And we're Americans. That used to mean a little bit more, maybe, than it does today. But we, we used to have no fear. They say, You got a bad disease, and they go, Well, medicine will take care of it. Uh, you 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 can't pay for this, so I got a credit card. <laughs> And there was always a way out. In America, Bangladesh, maybe not. Malaysia, maybe not. Uh, Vietnam, maybe not so much. But here, we were in the best of all worlds, and people are worrying their silly heads off under drugs and therapy and some sort of clinical thing. They're so worried. So having affluence or a false security does not take away the fear of the unknown. I'm, I'm trying to make a point here about Uh, verse 25 says is life not more our verse 25 excuse me is not the life more than meat which is stuff so we've been through all these years and you're in the word we've been through the word to find out what's ours but we've all been tempted to say i doubt that we we see that uh exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. There's a great wall of doubt that tries to come up and negate that promise. I know that's true because we'd be doing more and having more and being more if we believed it. We'd have people walk around saying, just want you to know I got healed of this and I'm possessing that. And in testimony time, that's what we do. And it helps us all. Please don't be afraid to bring your testimony. We need it. You just don't know what somebody's going through that just they're in the land of indecision. And so I'm first in line by divine order, divine order. I, I'm Esau and I didn't mess up or whatever. I'm uh, David messed up all over the place, but he always came back to his place of divine order. Did y'all get that? God always liked him. I've got options, but actually my option is just obey. If you believe that what the Word says is exactly the same or even greater than Jesus speaking in an audible voice to you, that's pretty, that's pretty big out there. So we'll just say, okay, he speaks in a still, small voice, which is how he does. If you believe anything he could tell you in a still, small voice would be valid, it'd be a mandate on your life. It'd be like, God spoke to me. Well, really, God's speaking to me. He's speaking to you he's speaking well that doesn't really the count that's for everybody that's right it's the law of the right of first refusal so I say God has supplied us God has healed us God's delivered us God's triumphed us he's promoted us he's increased us I say that he's totally dealt the Lord Jesus has totally dealt with the sin problem totally dealt with it y'all I well you know I messed up I don't know He's totally dealt with the sin problem. Get on the system of God. Uh, Ephesians 3.20. He's taken your thoughts as the baseline for blessing. Now imagine, uh, imagine anybody or any system that could just say, if you can think it, we're going to start there. Well, Lord, I've been also thinking about some other stuff and negative stuff and sinful stuff I I don't deserve much. He said, we're starting with what you ask or think. That's, you can't even get your head around that. I can't even get my head around that, that anybody would love me that much to say we're going to start. The baseline for blessing is what you can ask or think. Well, we need to giddy up in our thinking. If that's it, if you're thinking, Lord, I'll just, like they used to sing, we just want an old cabin over the hill in heaven. That was their I wonder how many little red cab- little brown cabins there are over in heaven. <laughs> They've got mansion over the door, but it's just... <laughs> so I'm first in line. And until I give it up, till I let it pass, and I've let a lot of stuff pass. Would y'all say that probably looking back, you'd say, He came to me with that, and I didn't see it. I didn't seize it, and it got away from me, and somebody else got it. Because God's going to get the job done. Y'all know he's going to get the job done. He's like, if they don't do it, the kingdom's falling down. No, I don't think so. I don't even know, just personally, that I was the first one they asked to come to Alabama. I mean, just as an example, you don't know that you were the first one that he asked to do something, but you said yes when somebody else had the right of first refusal and let it go by. Think about that. Now think about the future. (sighs) There's some stuff that you and I are uniquely and specifically created for. And the things that are in us by personality, by our heritage, by our experiences, have peculiarly qualified us to do certain things that although there may be others that could do them, He's chosen you. You're the one. And if you don't see it, you'll just let it walk by. We won't sign up. We won't agree to it. We won't read the book. We won't we won't say yes. We'll just let it go by. And so he moves on the right of first refusal. He moves on. Maybe he moved on from them to you. He never mentioned your old number 63. (laughs) You know, maybe 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 it was not like your number two. No, nobody wanted this job. Isn't that good? I like it. It's mine to receive. So I'm I'm I got my little antenna up. Like I'm paying attention to stuff that's just to me. Just because it's out there and anybody could get it, they can't get it if it's mine. Can't get it if it's mine. I don't have to think about what to wear, which just means your life, your future life. What what's going on? You don't have to think about it. It also means there's enough for a fence around your house, it's enough for a new car. Uh, it's, an, it's enough. You have enough because that's the thing about raiment and what you'll eat and drink. It just means everything. So I'm going to believe God to find my place and everything that, I, that the Gentiles want and they, they want some good stuff, y'all. You know, my neighbor hauled in an 85-inch TV not too long ago. It's like, I don't want that. I don't have a wall big enough for that. <laughs> I, I don't have one wall. I have to, it'd have to be over a door. But they were hauling it in. Their house is littler than mine. They were hauling it in. But he said, I want you to have whatever you want. I don't want that, but I I did get a 65. So it's like, that's what I wanted. What do you want? If you'll just think about it. Lord, I need this for the kingdom. That scripture we read about hospitality, uh, I remember we got baptized in the Holy Spirit on January 1st. We started asking people to come over and we'd tell them what, what happened to us show me in the scripture that I had just read, find out what happened to me. And then they'd, they'd say, well, we want that too. And then they started coming over every Thursday. And uh, uh, we took real good care of our, our uh, furniture. It was all what we called early Newcomb. Debbie was a Newcomb. So it was all early Newcomb. It was the handouts, the like, I really would like another couch. You can have this one and all that. You know what that means. You've all been there. But we just started opening our home and, and not getting new furniture, not everything, suddenly someone came by and said, I want to get you a piano. Suddenly we had music in our little Bible study. How cool was that? And, uh, and then sent somebody by that could play one. She could only play in the key of C, whatever that means. But every song was in the key of C. And they tell me that's a limitation. That's, uh, that's kind of narrow. But my point is, is, God just started blessing us stuff just started coming because we'd opened our home. And if we were going to be on vacation or somewhere, we just gave the key to somebody and said, y'all meet. There's stuff in the refrigerator, there's stuff over here, and just lock it when you go out. Just got free with our stuff, just holding stuff lightly. And when Jesus is your master and security is not, it's just so liberating. So I'm not really talking to y'all in this room. I believe y'all all have that, but I want to tell broadcast. There's a change. You can't hold on to stuff when security is your master. You can't hold on to it. That'll be what you pursue, but it, it won't happen to you. You'll be insecure too and not have the Lord Jesus. But divine order says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will just be there. And I'm telling you, it's been that way in my life. Just don't, just don't chase it. In Jesus' name. Well, amen. The law of the right or first refusal. It's in my court. I'm going to take it. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's stand up and sing a song.